Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. Wow, you guys are fired up. This is... uh... The land of the free and the home of the brave is happening here tonight. Amen. I'm Pastor Rick Brown, and uh, I'm from, uh, some family showed up, didn't know, sorry. Love the, (laughs) Uh, I'm from Idaho, and when Charlie Kirk, my friend, was coming up here, he said, hey, why don't you come and hang out for these three or four days? And so a guy that is fighting for liberty, coast to coast, Charlie Kirk. Hey, everybody. Great to see everybody here. It's awesome. We've been having a great time the last couple of days. Yeah, we had a great event yesterday. Uh, we're going to the University of Oregon tomorrow, so that should be a little different than tonight. So a little bit different. We were at University of Vermont last week, and that was obviously very different than here. And Burlington, Bernie Sanders' hometown. And we're going to Denver, later this week, and then Fort Collins, and then Clemson University, University of Alabama, back to Arizona. We're crisscrossing the country. I visit college campuses, so you guys don't have to. And (laughs) going to churches, speaking to big groups. We got a country to save, everybody, and our team is, um, our team's putting a lot of work in, over 300 days a year on the road, 330 speeches, two podcasts a day, three hours of radio a day. And our amazing team at Turning Point Faith and Turning Point USA has put a lot of work, uh, especially in the last couple weeks, into this. And I I personally could not sit idly by as we see our beautiful country be intentionally destroyed. And so we got to do more. And uh, I'm starting to see a new resolve and a tougher spirit amongst uh, patriots and people all across the country. So excited to explore that tonight. Amen. Well, Charlie, you've been crushing it on the high school and college campuses, and you've just rolled out Turning Point Faith. So share with people what our vision and goal is. Well, look, and this is, this is an important topic, you know, being in, in a church here. Uh, we as Christians have to step up. And regardless of your theological views or your eschatological views, I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, the triune God. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And you guys can sort out all the rest from there of your own denominational or theological differences. We have to fight for liberty. And liberty is God's idea, not man's idea. And I am seeing so many churches that, especially over the last year and a half, there's three different types of churches in America. There are churches that are complacent, churches that are courageous, like this one that would host an event like this, or churches that are complicit, which are, we'll start with the complicit churches. Those are the churches that are the ones that are flying the Black Lives Matter flags. Those are the churches that have the LGBT flags outside their door. They're the churches that give the sermons saying that we need to be woke and we need to embrace the diversity industrial complex. These churches are actively involved in trying to further a very, very destructive left-wing agenda in our country. And we're seeing that through some people at the very top level of the American Christian community. Then there's the complacent church. Churches that say, pastors say, hey, you know what? We don't do politics in our church. 
We just do the gospel. We don't talk about, you know, things that are happening in the news. And this is not biblical. All throughout the Old and New Testament, whether it be Esther, Nehemiah, Mordecai, Jeremiah, Joseph, and Daniel, they were God's chosen people fighting for God's purpose in secular government. Daniel fasted and prayed for the well-being of the nation that he was in. In Jeremiah 29, 7, it says, demand the welfare of the nation I have sent you in because your welfare is tied to the nation's welfare. We as Christians are called to care about every realm and sphere in political life, in life outside the walls of the church. And I never say what we are doing is the most important thing. The most important thing is winning souls for Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing that we can do. But then the obvious question is, what's the second most important thing? To make sure you can do the first thing. To make sure the church never gets labeled non-essential again. To make sure that the church never gets locked down again. To make sure we never go through a chapter in American history where abortion clinics remain open, marijuana shops remain open, liquor stores remain open, and strip clubs remain open, but the church gets closed. You know what? We shouldn't tolerate that. It's never going to happen again. And the church has to rise up and put people in leadership to say that the church is not not essential. It's the opposite. It's the most essential thing. The church being forcibly locked down. And maybe you guys experienced this in Boise Maybe not. I know some people in Idaho were arrested for singing songs. I heard that. I couldn't believe it. Um, and I think that was corrected, I hope. But Rick, you know this very well. In California, we have friends of ours who are pastors that are facing three and a half to four million dollars in fines for opening their church. And the complacent church has allowed this to happen. And right now, we as the body of Christ have to recognize and realize that we are in a spiritual battle and that we are called to contest for righteousness and truth in the domain of civic government. So some Christians say, you know what? Jesus is coming next Thursday. It's not my problem. House is on fire. Let's get the kids out. And this is obvious. You know, some people have a belief in that sort of eschatological view. Uh, That's not my day job, which is to, you know, interpret certain parts parts of theology for you. But let's say that is right, because it very well could be. Then, Doesn't it say occupy till he comes? Does it say retreat to the hills and hope you don't get eaten? No, we have to lean into these moments. And especially right now, if the American church does not stand and contest for truth and righteousness, who will? Harvard? The New York Times? Boise State University? The National School Board Association of America? Fauci? Without the church, America will be a significantly more dangerous and unfree country. The church is the light of the world, and we as Christians must stand up and do something about it. Charlie, you have to share with the folks, when you were invited to a church in Olympia, Washington, share that story, because the thing is, uh, you know, I've went through this last few years saying, I'm from Idaho. And it's almost this boast that we have all this freedom and we're out of reach of this. And uh, you, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I don't want to say any names because I think, I think they mishandled this, but I was scheduled to speak at a church in Washington. This was back in May. And again, I, I I want to love on this guy because I think he's, he's able to make a correction. Yeah, he does. Um, but you could, be, you could be a nice person, but also be a weak person. That's a very important thing. And, you, and that, we could talk about that tonight. 
um, we have a lot of nice, weak people running our country right now. It's the 11th commandment, thou shalt be nice. Yeah, I must have missed that one, actually. Instead right? of being courageous yeah, or something Yeah, courageous like or bold yeah. or clear or in pursuit of justice and truth. So yeah, look, I, I was supposed to speak in Washington and you know, the, the basement dwelling degenerates who call themselves Antifa, they sent out a couple blog posts like, oh, Charlie's coming to town, you know, we're gonna go protest. And unfortunately, that church got really intimidated by that and canceled my appearance to go speak at the church. We found another church to host us, and we had a couple thousand people show up. And I'm happy to report I actually returned to that county um, a couple days ago, and they were threatening to come. They never come. They're, and if they, if, they, if they show up, then, all right, then we'll, we'll bring twice as many security and we'll deal with it. And so I, I was disappointed. I was saddened by that. Um, but make no mistake, here in Idaho, you have a lot of people from Washington that are coming over and bringing their values over. Hopefully the good people from Washington, right? Um, but, but yeah, this is an important point. And I, I've dealt with all aspects of this. And I do think that this particular church will have me back. And I think that they're regretting not taking the stand that they wish they could. But some churches are afraid to engage in the political matters for a couple of reasons. They view the church as simply of having bigger budgets, bigger buildings, and more baptisms. And I'm all for those things, right? Um, but if you look at the church simply as a business, like, well, if I talk about politics, we might lose membership. So what? You're trying to tell me that you now make your sermons based on whether or not the tithe is going to hit the benchmark that singular month? You need to speak truth regardless of whether or not you're going to hit your budgetary goals for that month. And, but here's the amazing thing is that churches that don't speak out, that do speak out on these issues, they are growing like you wouldn't believe. So I have spoke at over 80 churches in the last year. Every single church, with the exception of just one, which I think is an outlier, has seen record growth, record tithes, record offerings, if they tell their congregation, here's what the Bible says about being a good citizen. Here's what the Bible says about how to engage with your government. The pastors that are like, you know, we don't do that around here. You know, we don't take truth claims. You know, we don't want to offend. Let me be very clear. It's impossible to read the scriptures and the gospel as it is said without offending somebody. You're talking about the issues of eternity. Now, it shouldn't be your heart to offend. That's not who, we, we shouldn't try to offend people. But if you all of a sudden read Luke 15, it's like, I did not come here to unite, but I came here to divide. Like, whoa, that's a pretty harsh teaching when you think about it. When the truth, it cuts like a sword. There is going to be a judgment. People don't like to hear that. Then there is a God who loves us and all of us who accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and the chairman of the board of our life, we do get to experience eternal life. And what I have found though, Rick, and this is what's so interesting, is that people in politics, in church life, they've been so lied to by weak-kneed pastors, by corrupt politicians. They're going to the churches that tell them the tough truth, that tell them to stop drinking, to tell them to keep their eyes on Jesus Christ, to tell them to get their life together. They don't want to just kind of be told the same sort of squishy, middle vanilla type message. People want to be challenged because we have been lied to at every level of leadership in corporations, in academia, in the press and, and uh, through tech companies, through government. And I think that the people of America and especially people that are interested in the gospel and the, the truth and the promise of Jesus Christ, we want, to, we want to hear it as it is. Tell me the truth. And I think that in some ways we have, we have thought so low of the American Christian community as if American Christians can't handle a sermon on abortion 
Like American Christians can't handle a sermon on transgenderism. It's super simple. God created man, God created woman. End of sermon, right? Is, you don't have to overly complicate this one, right? And so, but here, here's, the, here's the good news is that we can do this in a magnanimous way, in a way that tries to build bridges and doesn't have the heart to try to divide. But when people say, well, Charlie, your message is inherently divisive, that's your problem, not mine. And, and this, is the, this is the kind of possession, the position we need to have. And so part of what we're trying to do, Rick, at Turning Point Faith and traveling the country, and we're building a pastor's network, and we're getting churches engaged and involved, and you've been so helpful with this, is we're trying to challenge churches to do more right now as liberty starts to disappear. And if you look at how this country was founded, this country was founded on biblical citizens. 55 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were Bible-believing, regular church-attending Christians. Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, Jonathan Mayhew are just some of the activist pastors that inspired the American Revolution. Whether it be John Adams to George Washington, these were pious, regular church-attending, Bible-believing Christians that realized the true source of liberty was not King George, but it came from an eternal and transcendent power. And I believe, and then you go to the second great awakening, the third great awakening, the fourth great awakening. Every time America slips politically, religiously, theologically, or spiritually, who is there to catch it? The American church. And guess what? We are called to higher account than just someone at the side of the street. We are going to be judged and say, what did you do with that gift of America I gave you? What did you do with that? Did you sit idly by and act as if this country was the same as any other country? Or did you contest and be salt and light in every single area as possible? And it's never been more clear, Rick, where you have one entire political movement that is okay with a million abortions a year, that sits idly by with the blurring of gender norms of man and woman, when they say the church is not essential. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic because I'm starting to see pastors that have never spoke out before start to speak out. I'm starting to see congregants start to demand their church to speak out. And we're starting to see the beginning stages of a revival, awakening, and then we're going to see a realignment politically that I think is really going to surprise the ruling class in this country. Amen. So because we're a part of this phenomenon in California, and I'm intimately involved with two churches that are fighting, we're uh, in trouble with the law. And they, they grew in eight months, each of them like 400%. We call it the Corona Revival. So, uh, you know, God can use all things together for good, right? To, to stand up. Anybody that stands up, as Charlie is saying, for the truth. And Charlie is seeing this coast to coast. And so I'm encouraging people, Charlie, find a good church that'll stand up for a love for Jesus, the truth of God's word, and that they love America, speak up. Amen. And I mean, it says, again, in Jeremiah 29, 7, demand the peace and the welfare of the nation that I've sent you in because your welfare is tied to, to the nation's welfare. And the Bible has so much to say about proper governance. Proverbs eleven eleven, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically when the corrupt rule, things fall apart and you need to be an upstanding citizen. We are called to be good citizens. Citizen comes from a Greek word, which means co-ruler. And make no mistake, there is a deliberate, and I dare say diabolical, campaign by the enemy to try to get the church to retreat from the public square. Let me, let, let, let's ask this question. Do you think the enemy, and there is an enemy, there is a Satan, the church doesn't like to talk about it, right? Too many churches don't even say that word because they're afraid their attendance, remember their budgets, their baptisms, and their buildings might decrease. The three Bs that have built American Christianity. But there is an enemy, and... That enemy is trying to get the church less engaged in things that matter. Do you think the enemy is happy and pleased when the church stands up for life? 
or not. The enemy would love to see the American church retreat into the hills and do absolutely nothing. And, and here's, the, here's the thing, everybody, is that some people say, well, Charlie, if we talk about politics in the church, we are never going to be able to win people over for Jesus Christ. This is the opposite. You know, I, I run an organization on college campuses, some of the most godless, soulless institutions in America. I mean, you could go to, there's a great scripture where it says it so clearly. It says, wisdom begins with the fear of God. And you want to know why college campuses have just become so unwise there's no God, so there's no wisdom at the college campuses you send your children to. And we could talk about that too. I think college is largely a scam. I'm happy to go through that. And no, I mean that, seriously. And by the way, like as seriously as I can be for the grandparents and the parents out there, be very careful sending your children to college. I, this is not a joke. You might send your kids to college and they will come back with different values. I cannot tell, my, my number one question when I meet parents, they say, oh, I have four kids. I say, how many kids share your values? Average answer is half. That's a tragic thing when you think about it. And I say, oh, so where did they go to college? Stanford, University of Oregon, UCLA, you know, Colorado University. And, and by the way, if all your children share your values, you've been very blessed, seriously. Uh, and that, that's something that you should thank the Lord for. It's a big deal. It really is. But kind of going to this question of how do we bring people to Christ, Galatians 3 tells us that the law is a school teacher to Christ. Some people are going to come to Christ in different ways. Some people are so broken, they are so in need of salvation at that moment, they walk into a church and they have an overwhelming experience and they give their life to Christ. We all know these people, right? These are people that find themselves stumbling into the 11 a.m. service that didn't go to bed the night before on Easter Sunday. They hear you know, the, call, the call to Jesus, John 3, 16. They're like, okay, I got it. Some people, they're going to be a little tougher. They're a little tougher selves. And what we're finding at what the work we're doing is, all of a sudden there are people that first agree with what I have to say politically, but I have to say from a conservative perspective, they say, huh, I want to find out more about that. Where does that come from? I'm happy to tell you where the idea of self-government, separation of powers, independent judiciary, and consent to the governed come from. The Bible. Once people start drinking from the streams of liberty, they want to find its source. And I believe the church is missing a massive evangelistic opportunity to communicate with people that might agree with us from the Constitution, agree with us on first principles, agree with us on natural rights. And what we are seeing is this amazing coalition for liberty that is being built. And the church is the central part of this. This is we're going to contest for righteousness and truth where it really matters most. And we are seeing thousands of people give their life to Christ. And people, you know, there's a lot of ministries that are out there Again, my job is number two. I'm focused on the second most important thing, right? To make sure you can do the first thing. But I'm also unapologetic about sharing the gospel to people who need it. But people trust us and trust me because I've built a rapport over 18, 24, 36 months where they say, I agree with the way Charlie interprets socialism. I agree with the way that he talks about immigration. And then all of a sudden they say, I trust him enough. I'm going to hear him out on this gospel thing. And then all of a sudden there's an opening. And we know as soon as there's an opening, the transformation, the renewing of their mind and the gift of Jesus Christ can enter their life. I believe the church needs to lean into that. Amen. Amen. And that's specifically what we're seeing in the church. We've baptized over, just in the last 12 months, a couple of hundred people. And they are desperate. They're afraid. They, they're looking for leadership, and where should you turn in your community, very much like the children of Israel, where the house of the Lord was in the center of the camp? Where should they go in their community to find truth to the people of God? And yet they go to a woke church, and it's closed. 
We'll stream in a very anointed message for you, but there's nothing like getting together and standing for truth. Let's just segue a little bit, Charlie, because I really, if I was a, uh, I had a young family, my kids are raised, but if I had a young family, I'm in Idaho, I think I'm safe because uh, it's more conservative. And, you know, the Lord spoke to the churches and he said, strengthen that which remains because where there is a conservative state, you have to strengthen what remains because it can slip away so quickly with the migration of these people from all these different areas. How in Idaho would these young families engage in their community to keep Idaho free? That's such an important point. And so I traveled the country. We've been, my wife and I have been to all 50 states you know, twice over, and we've done a lot of travel, and we've done a lot of different things. Um, the people of Idaho are some of the most conservative God-loving, God-fearing, America-loving people in the country. Your politicians. You deserve a lot better from your political leaders. And, you know, I, I, I want to make this clear. You know, Turning Point USA, we're a 501c3 and focused on education and college campus work. We also have a 501c4. So anything I say politically, attribute it to me. And if you think I'm being overly legalistic, just look at the White House, okay? Just understand what we're dealing with. And so I'm being spot on when I, when I say that. Um, Idaho's a wonderful state. It is, with amazing people. And Idaho is following at best and is not leading in the fight for liberty. Why is it that Florida that has more registered Democrats than Republicans is a freer state than Idaho? Leadership. Leadership. Why is it that Florida that has more registered Democrats than Republicans, where Mike Bloomberg spent $130 million to turn it into a Democrat state? Why is it that Florida has passed bills that have not been implemented into law here in Idaho? It's not because the people... That's, that's, that's for sure. Go to Key West. You'll, you'll understand exactly what I mean. It's a wacky place. And no, it's very simple. It's because Idaho currently is under the curse of one-party rule. And you might say, what do you mean the curse? This is happening in a couple states. I spend a lot of time in North Dakota. I'm on radio three hours every single day across the country, including three hours in the biggest station in North Dakota. And in North Dakota, they're going through this exact same thing where they will win every single election for Republicans. But then the real work starts. And here's the problem, is that many of you live in areas that are so overwhelmingly conservative, the Democrat doesn't have any, cho any chance at all whatsoever. So the Republican doesn't have to compete for your vote. The Republican doesn't have to show you what he or, her or she did to actually fight for your freedoms and liberties in Boise. Guess what? In, in Florida, that's not the case. Every district is like a 50-50 district. So the state legislators, they have to go to their district like, hey, here's what I did. Guess what we did? We banned CRT, no vaccine mandates for everyone, nurses included, and young children, which is what they just did. Just to give you an idea, in Florida, you're not allowed to fire nurses if they don't take the vaccine. Idaho, it's happening every day. No, I know, but you guys don't live in Florida. So, demand, well, maybe you do, and maybe you guys are all, I mean, demand more. It's not acceptable. You guys don't live in Oregon. This is a joke that this is happening in Idaho. And look, I've been very outspoken against mandatory vaccinations. Have you noticed how few conservatives talk about this issue, by the way? They kind of run to the hills because many of them are bought by Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and BioNTech. 
I don't care if you got vaccinated. It's not my business. I really, I don't, I've never condemned anyone. I've never mocked anyone, never ridiculed anyone. I'm not getting vaccinated. My wife's not getting vaccinated. And we're very clear about that. And that's everyone's own personal decision. The propaganda campaign that has clamped down on azithromycin, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, monoclonal antibodies, and aspirin has been one of the most diabolical and harmful public relation campaigns in the history of America. Let me say that again. The public relations campaign against early treatments has cost people lives. I don't think we'll ever know the exact number. It, it, is, it is a disgusting and outright campaign that has really hurt people. But in a state like Idaho, it's, it, 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 when I get emails from people and I meet with them, they say, yeah, I was a nurse at St. Luke's or St. Alphonsus, and I'm going to have to lose my job or I'm going to lose my job, replaced by a California worker. You know that's what they're doing, right? They're flying in Californians here to Idaho, giving them a 6000 per month per diem to go work in your hospitals while your fellow citizens and fellow countrymen here in Idaho gets fired and cast aside. Where's the leadership? Like, don't put up with this anymore. And... And I know that a lot of you are saying, well, what else do we do? We're not doing enough. And whatever it is, whether it be demonstrations, whether it be calling a special, special session, this is, and this, is the, this is where I really kind of put Idaho in this position where if Florida, a state where there's more registered Democrats than Republicans, Ron DeSantis comes out proudly. His numbers go skyrocket, by the way. His numbers went straight up when he said this. He said, no nurse, police officer, or firefighter or worker is going to get fired on my watch in the state of Florida. And it's because he's courageous enough to do it. And so, look, Idaho's at a, very, it's at a turning point. It's at a tipping point. It's at a moment that it's going to be a real test, right? Um, and right now, Idaho is on pace to be another Colorado, just so we all are clear, right? It's on pace, and it's because of weak leadership. And by the way, I mean that this on the federal and the state level. I mean it on both. I get to, and and like let's. I, I, I'm not sure if you're cheering for him or if you're against him. I don't really quite know what that was. Whatever. So, and what I'm telling you right now, though, is that the people of Idaho are people that have done their job. And they have, they've been done what they've, they've done what they're told. They love liberty. They love freedom. And yeah, look, the, you, you bring up a phenomenal point here. Strengthen what remains. And yeah, there's tons of people that are coming from Washington and Oregon. Why do you think they're coming here? They're coming here because you were, you were a conservative state and they know your leaders aren't going to do anything that will offend them. That's why. They're not, they're leaving Florida. You know that, right? They're leaving Texas. Liberals are literally leaving these states because they're like, oh, they're passing open carry. They're passing, you know, anti-CRT measures. And yeah, some people say, well, Charlie, that's a little harsh. Like, look, if you want to go destroy a state, there's plenty of dystopian, you know, West Coast cities you can go live in. San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Los Angeles. Like, we're going to keep Idaho, Idaho, thank you very much. And no, you're not welcome here to go inflate our property values and go work from Zoom for Dropbox or Google and then go contest in the local school board election and tell us, about critical race theory, wokeism, pornographic curriculum, and transgender bathrooms. Like, no, that's what Seattle's for. Thank you very much. Get out of Idaho. And that should be our position. It always starts somewhere, Charlie, just like in, uh, in Arizona. Yeah. Phoenix was a red city. Yes. Now it's a purple city. And Boise is, uh, the mayor there is a super leftist. Yep. And... And for the people of Idaho, if they were to overcome one race, the, the power that we discovered through COVID of the lower magistrates 
just speak to the mayor issue. She really wants this to be like Portland or Seattle. And I know anybody from Boise, we're in Meridian, right? So, okay. Well, they've all, they've already exited Boise, but just a word for them to, I mean, they could deal with one race that could save and strengthen what remains. Yeah, I mean, mayor's races are incredibly important. District attorney races are incredibly important. Local sheriff races are remarkably important. And yeah, there's a huge flow of left-wing billionaire money coming into the state to try to subvert your elections. You know this through the Democracy Alliance, through Lorene Powell Jobs, through the Emerson Collective. They're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to try to undermine the Idaho way of life. And you must understand what you're dealing with here. You're dealing with a campaign that is imperialist in nature. They're not just happy destroying Washington, Oregon, and California. They want the whole country to be under their clutches. They want to make every single city, like Portland, like Chicago, like New York, like Boston, there is no negotiating with these people either. Trust me, I I grew up in Chicago. They have not even started to hit rock bottom. They have got a long way left to go. Same thing in New York City and, you know, where we live now in Phoenix, in the Phoenix metro area, where there's a lot of people pushing back in Arizona, thankfully. And, but Arizona used to be a very comfortable Republican state. But I'm going to keep on going back to Florida. Do you know what Democrats are now saying about Florida? They're getting demoralized. They're like, all right, Florida's on pace to become another Alabama. Let's go somewhere else. They only understand force. They don't understand, like, putting them in a room and trying to negotiate. There's no negotiating with these people. They're trying to vaccinate your children. Like, where's the middle ground with that? Like, oh, no, they get one shot instead of two. Or, like, or no booster shot. Like, really? And so, yeah, there is this, there is this kind of posture, I think, Rick, that we need to take that we need to re-embrace the founders and the framers' vision of self-government. And it all comes back to states. And so I said this last night. Actually, I don't know if I said this last night. I've given so many speeches in Idaho, I can't remember what I said where. But let me give you some ideas of how Idaho could reassert itself. And so we've already seen the destruction of the rule of law in our country to a great extent and the nullification of state laws, federal laws, which I'm not a fan of. But Seattle, Portland, San Francisco... Los Angeles, they all have sanctuary cities. So in essence, we're not, we're not going to deport criminals in our cities. We're not going to comply with federal law enforcement. That's an act of secession, right? That's an act of nullification, and no one wants to say it out loud. Why does Idaho not become a sanctuary state for liberty and freedom? Why doesn't Idaho say that we're not going to comply with these federal laws? Like, we're not going to comply by the OSHA mandate. We're certainly not going to comply with your gun control legislation. We're not going to comply with the money going to Planned Parenthood. This is where Idaho needs to be a leader. Because guess what? They're doing this to us. You look what's happening. You go to Seattle, they say, yeah, we're not going to comply with immigration customs enforcement. We're not going to comply with it. If you're an illegal, you're welcome in Seattle. Well, Idaho should say, if you love America and love the Constitution, you're welcome in Idaho. And they will bulldoze you and your values and the state. And yeah, I know you might feel comfortable in Idaho because, you know, Trump won by 30 points or whatever. And the people are amazing here. I want to say you are not the target of what I'm saying. Your political class is taking advantage of you. And they take advantage of you. This is how it works, okay? Let me tell you how this works. They are, they're largely corrupt and they make a lot of money off of doing deals with international globalist type companies, but they know this. They know that if you get a mailer in the mail or see a TV ad, I'm pro-life. Look at me hunting right? I love, you know, jobs. You're like, okay, I'll vote for that guy. You won't do much thought about it, right? They take advantage of you. They take advantage of the issues you care about because they have no meaningful competition because it's one party rule. 
where in the other states, the 50-50 states, as I mentioned again, this is one of the reasons why Texas has become more conservative the more Democrat it's become. I want you to think about that. Texas has actually become more politically conservative in the last two years, despite the elections being tighter and closer. The opposite that you might think would be happening, right? It's because all of a sudden they have to go back to their districts and they no longer can send out their stupid little mailer. Mailer, I'm pro-life. Look at me hunting pheasants. People are like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But like there's a homeless guy defecating on my driveway and my six-year-old is being prescribed puberty blockers and like the Wendy's is on fire. I'm being told it's all because of George Floyd. Like, what are you going to do about that, right? And, but in Idaho, because you have things that are so nice and so beautiful and serene, like people just kind of mark the R box and they move on. So what's the lesson? Yeah, primaries matter a lot, people. Primaries matter a lot, and they need to be treated just as seriously as general elections here in Idaho. We're now going to get to the good stuff, some Q&A with Charlie. And if you have a question, we have some people out here with uh, microphones, I believe. And I want to encourage you uh, very specifically, uh, don't make statements. Don't share with us your PhD thesis. Uh, Ask a short question with a period at the end so that we can get to the good stuff and hear what Charlie has to say. And and, and I, I don't want to be rude, but if you go on and on, I'm just going to be rude and stop you so that we can hear. Um, and, and the next time you're on a chair on the stage, we'll let you talk as long as you want. All right, so we'll take a couple lines for questions. Uh, instead of raising your hand, just get in line, guys, uh, and then we'll go through them. So um, We have our first one, right? Yes. There, Let's make sure the mics are on, please. Thank you, guys. And thank you for this wonderful church for hosting this. God bless you guys for that. It's great. Charlie. I love you. We're all here because we love you. Here's my question. Until the Dominion machines get fixed in all 50 states, isn't all your passion and energy so much wasted energy? Did you say the Dominion machines or the, or the media machines? All of it. But oh, okay. for voting yeah. purposes, because you said the voting is going to change in two years. I'm going, unless the Dominion machines are purged, isn't your okay. energy wasted energy? No, of course not. No. I mean, that, I, I, I don't think energy is wasted ever. I think rejecting, we must reject cynicism. Are there a lot of questions that we deserve answers to? Absolutely. Let me say, though, that there, not every state uses those machines. There's a lot happening in Arizona to fix these things, and there's ongoing investigations. Um, I don't think you intended it this way, but let me just kind of just say one thing, if I can, um, lovingly. Don't ever believe anything you do for righteousness or truth is wasted energy. And I, I don't think you meant it that way, but let me just say that, which is really important. We are commanded as Christians to always believe what we do matters. And one of the pieces of advice I gave this last night at our Turning Point USA event, we must reject cynicism. Cynicism is from the enemy. What I do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if my kids are conservative or liberal. We'll just kind of phone it in and watch the Seahawks. Wrong. We must contest for truth at every place imaginable. We must be strong and courageous, as it says in Joshua 1.9. But let me talk about election integrity, because that's the essence. And you did say media machine, or I, I, I think you said that too. This was the most interfered with election in American history. And Joe Biden was implemented, not elected, as president of the United States. Let me say that. And, and I will go, and, and let me also say, there are some things that are out there that people believe with the 2020 election that I think is a wrong focus, and I think there's things we must focus on. But let me say, it was a complete... It was a highway robbery 
okay? And any conservative worth their salt that tells you to move on from this, stop listening to that person, okay? And I, I will just give you a quick overview of a couple things we must focus on, okay? Let's number one. One of the richest men on the planet, Mark Zuckerberg, spent $420 million and inserted himself into actually how the ballots were counted in cities across the country. Was Idaho a recipient of that, Ed? It was? Idaho was a recipient of Zuckerberg money. I think that's been banned, right? The legislature did that. That's a, that's a good thing Idaho did. They shouldn't have never took the money in the first place. But Zuckerberg spent tons of money, $420 million, went into Gwinnett County, Cobb County, Maricopa County, Antrim County, and actually hired the ballot counters himself. Most people don't even know this happened. This is one of the great scandals and attacks of our institutions we've ever seen. Now, that's just one example, where the money went, the counties it flowed to. How about another example? The fact, that, the fact that Facebook and Twitter did not allow us to talk about the Hunter Biden laptop story in the entire month of October. This is third world regime changing type stuff where they come in and they're like, all speech is now completely restricted. If this would have happened in a country that we were trying to topple a government for, we would have said this election was completely corrupted to the core. You're not allowed to talk about a laptop where it says 10% goes to the big man, who then Tony Bobulinski, the part business partner of Biden, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, says that was for Joe Biden, who was doing deals with the Chinese. We're not allowed to have a robust discussion about that in the month of October. No, that's not fair. That is an injustice to the American electoral system. And the other thing is just the absolute unprecedented, inexplicable expansion of mail-in ballots across the country, where we sent people ballots that never requested them, we lowered signature thresholds, the universal mail-in balloting is coming to Idaho very soon. Now, Oregon and Washington and Colorado already have it. They want to bring it here. So you might say, Charlie, how are they going to flip it? They will flip it first by trying to get mail-in balloting universal. And it will be Republicans that will be blackmailed and will be conned into doing this more than Democrats because it's a one-party state. You guys must do the opposite. Do what Florida's doing. No excuse absentee balloting. Same, do not allow same-day registration. They have to, they have, it cannot be same-day registration. They have to do a special affidavit that goes in a different sort of category if they want to do that. And also, no more voting month, okay? This is ridiculous where you could just like, everything is open for the entire month. It's out of control, okay? It needs to be voting day and at, at absolute minimum, a couple days leading up to the weekend before, if you need to expand it a little bit, you need to have more restrictions and more integrity measures of going into nursing homes and vulnerable populations where these left-wing activist groups prey on the most vulnerable. We have mountains of evidence that this happened in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. I'm happy to go into that if you're interested. But how will they flip Idaho? They will flip it through mass mail-in balloting. And it is incumbent that you guys do not let this happen. Go the opposite direction. Every state that allows mass mail-in balloting is a gift to the collectivists, the statists, and the Democrats. Florida has done the opposite. Idaho, please hold your line on this. So let me, say, well, let me just kind of say this. I am optimistic because we as the conservative base, we are not forgetting what happened in the 2020 election. We are going to get to the bottom of this. We are going to find out the criminals that did this. We are going to name the names and we're going to fix what was wrong. We are problem solvers as Americans. We're going to remain optimistic at the same time. We will not forget what was taken from us. Okay, next question. Hello. Carly, thank you so much for coming to Idaho. We truly appreciate it. And in regards to the, uh, what you were saying about Idaho leadership, how they were taking us uh, for granted or taking advantage of us. I appreciate that, but at the same time, we as Idahoans need to take responsibility for being sheep, myself included. 
So can you please give us, I know you touched a little bit on this, but give us clear, precise, concise details of how we can truly get involved. I mean, I keep hearing, go to your local legislatures, and I've done that, but there's got to be things that we need to know that we don't know, because I guarantee there's going to be so many people in this crowd that want to do something, but don't. Can I, can I ask you a question and put you on the spot? Is that okay? Uh, do you know all the names of your school board members? No, my kids aren't in school anymore. I don't know right. if that's a good answer, but it's the truth. No, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Uh, the, yeah, every person needs to know every, and by the way, the Bible commands it. First Timothy, know the leaders in authority, pray for them by name, so that you might live quiet and peaceable lives, right? So okay. let's just start with school boards. There's a massive organic movement to take back school boards across the country. And regardless, you're still a taxpayer of Idaho, right? Correct. You pay way too high taxes in Idaho. I can't figure out where your 6% income tax goes, by the way. No, seriously, you guys rank 51st in education funding. I, I, I was talking about this earlier with that. Where does all your money go? I don't understand. You, you have really productive, entrepreneurial, and quite honestly, wealthy people here in Idaho. Where does your money go? I don't understand. I, I want a full forensic audit of the Idaho state budget. I mean, this needs to be done like yesterday. No, seriously. I don't get it. I, I, I am just so confused by this. Uh, totally unrelated. I'm it's sorry. Totally fine. Um, so action items. Yeah, know your school board, city council, all this. But let's talk about a couple things that people can do that are a little more, it might sound generic, but every person can do this. Every person tonight needs to make a pledge and a promise in front of the Lord that you're going to be the same person in public that you are in private. Now, this might not sound like a big deal, there are people here tonight that can be comfortable here at this event, but not at their workplace, right. not with their family members, not with their friends. No more of that. You need to be the same person in every single environment that you are. No more pretending, no more camouflage, no more putting on the special uniform and being something that you're not. This is a big deal. The second thing, I can't stand the term cancel culture, okay? It drives me insane. But there is a culture where we try to eliminate people because they participate in thought crimes. So if anyone in your life is scheduled for cancellation for something that's deemed politically incorrect, don't put up with it. Intervene. Stand by that person, especially people in public life. Now, if they've, and I'll give you a great example with this, and I, I joke around with this. We did this last night as well, which I'm not a big John Gruden fan, okay, but the fact that John Gruden's emails are under more scrutiny than Hunter Biden's emails is a massive injustice and a disgrace to our entire country, right? So John Gruden gets fired because he had transphobic comments. Don't even get me started. I could go into great detail about this. So I'm not saying that you guys need a new football coach. Maybe you think Boise State needs a new football coach. Why doesn't, why doesn't a conservative state just go hire John Gruden as their new football coach? Now, that, might, that symbolically would be a massive blow to the regime. That No, you don't get to go back into 10-year-old emails and just go all of a sudden be the moral police of a guy that's loved by his black teammates and loved by even the gay teammates and be like, no, we're going to destroy your life. What that does is it weakens the ability to go fire someone right here that works at Albertsons and might go wear a Trump hat to work and you might get fired because of that. Now, I'm not saying that would happen, right? That might be an example because, you know, it's a conservative family, but whatever it might be, like a local business of what it might be, the only power they have is the power we give them. And we right. give them the power of being okay to terminate our fellow countrymen because they participated in thought crimes. If I had every single person here's emails and text messages dating back for 10 years, a lot of people would be losing their jobs. And we need to be honest about that, right? And so I think it's super important. The last thing is this, what can we do? Um, boy, in Idaho, you're blessed. 
you're only a state of 1.75, 1.8 million people, right? You can make a huge difference in your state government really quickly. When the legislature's in session, everybody, there needs to be viewing galleries as big as this event is right now. Every single day, the legislature is in session. You need to be, like, here's the thing. You, and, and again, I know the legislature's not in session right now. Confront them when they're going, when they're going to the grocery store. Ask them questions. It's time for a citizen government to take this back. And if you don't like your representatives, recall them, find new ones. And so, yeah, I guess the final thing I'll say is this, um, of what you can do. I know a lot of people here tonight, this is not your home church. Challenge your pastor and challenge your church to do what we talked about at the beginning of our speech. That's a really important thing. And the last thing I'll tell you, this is an unusual thing, is learn. Every day, dedicate at least an hour to turn off your phone and learn more about your nation, the founding documents, and the beautiful gift that we have been given as citizens. And so this is so important. And learn more about how the Bible touches every parts of this life. Learn. What does that do? That question you ask me will answer itself. And so we partner with Hillsdale College, charlieforhillsdale.com. You guys can take these classes free of charge citizenship, Constitution 101, presidency, Constitution, Federalist Papers. And guess what? Every person that we have put through those courses, as they start to take them, they're texting me, Charlie, I get it now. Now I know what I have to do. I know the rights I have. I know where they come from. I'm more convicted I want to fight. So I tell every conservative audience, turn off the reality television. Turn off the nonsense and spend an hour a day. I know it might be a lot. And say, I'm going to go learn something. Now, if maybe you guys know everything there is to know about American history, Okay. And, and maybe you, you feel as if you're, you know enough and you're good. I can tell you this. As soon as I decided to take learning seriously, my, my commitment and even my energy and my stamina towards this was, was exponentially further. When I saw and I studied the writings of Hamilton, Madison, and Jay, of Jefferson and Adams, when I saw the sacrifices of Mayhew, Whitfield, and Edwards— when I went through John Locke to, the, to Thomas Hobbes, understand how this whole system was created, I said, oh my goodness, this is so exceptional. I have to dedicate my whole life to this. So what can people do? Know more about what you have. And that answer will come naturally. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Can you give that website again? Can you, can you say that website again? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. CharlieforHillsdale.com. It is free of charge. We have partnered with them for online courses that you guys can take. I have taken seven of them, and they have been a phenomenal blessing to me and to our students from everything from Aristotle to just simple, the Constitution 101 course with Hillsdale College. It should honestly be a federal law that every citizen should have to take it. It's that good. It's just, here's what it says, here's what it means, and here's what you can do constitutionally to actually challenge the people in power. Next question. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I can feel all of us are extremely passionate about these things. Is this on? (laughs) Okay, sorry. Um, But here's the thing is like, I I don't know about anybody else. I feel this down in my bones, right? The need to be a part of this movement, taking the responsibility to stand for freedom and liberty. What I would love advice from, from you about is how do we change hearts though with those who don't necessarily agree with us? Because that's where... I mean, um, among the, our own stewardships in our families and within our own souls, we have to go there. And I feel like I can have a general conversation with somebody. I don't know necessarily how to approach it like you do across the country with people who vehemently disagree with you. Yeah, and this is something, thank you, by the way, I appreciate that. This is something we pride ourselves uh, on at Turning Point USA. 
Uh, we have a rule. I didn't say the rule here tonight. Well, maybe it's true. If you disagree, you're allowed to go to the front of the line. Uh, we say that whenever we go to a college campus and with young people, because it's important. Um, and look, asking questions is the most important thing. It's how Jesus constructed all of his dialogues of meaning, which was asking questions of what is true. And who told you that? Who's really in charge? Instead of trying to explain to somebody what you believe, ask them why they believe what they believe. And then dive deeper into that. All of a sudden, you will then involve them in the process of learning alongside of them. But here's what we shouldn't do. We should not moderate our positions, and we should not seek a false middle just to try to win over people that don't yet agree with us. It's a very important thing. And I'll give you a great example of this. I am 100% pro-life, and I'm proud of it. But there is this kind of movement within some circles in the conservative movement. Charlie, stop talking about how life begins at conception. Let's try to find a middle ground on abortion. Now, I, I do believe we should lessen abortions. I think the Texas law that has a six-week ban is a step in the right direction. I'm not being imprudent, right? I, I'm not trying to say that there's not something as many steps towards the inevitable goal. But trying to get me to as if to try to soften my position on an issue as fundamentally important as life, to try to find a false middle, I think actually does more damage than good. Here's what I have learned. And this is the lie of the moderate Republican, right? This is the consultant Republican lie where they say, Charlie, don't say things that offend people. I think people can actually handle a lot more and a lot more blunt truth than we give them credit for. I really do. Outside of the fragile kind of protesting snowflakes, I think people are in so much moral chaos right now. They want to be told what you believe and why you believe it. And you know what's so beautiful? You know, we have a, a rather substantial podcast audience the Lord has blessed us with. I would say maybe 80, 70% of my audience agrees with me. We get emails from people, Charlie, I agree with you on very little, but you say it so passionately and you articulate it. I've been turned on a couple issues. And trust me, we're not in the watering down business in our, in our show, but it's also the style of how you do it. And this is the final thing I'll say. While we should be clear in our positions uncompromising in them, being magnanimous, you know, coming at it in a non-abrasive tone. Tone matters a lot in life, everybody. Tone is a very important thing. I could say the same sentence three different ways, such as life begins at conception, or life begins at conception. Which one do you think is going to be more likely to win over someone that is not yet convinced? Same words, totally different message. And that's part of where we really need to pray for the renewing of our mind as our scriptures tell us, to embrace that kind of stylistic and tonal ability, still while being uncompromising in the actual issues and principles that we espouse. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for coming to Boise. Honored to be here. Um, I've, I was born and raised in Boise. Lived here my entire life. Um, I'm a teacher. I've been in education for 18 years. Just left West Ada. Um, <laughs> just left West Ada to start Cornerstone Learning Academy, which is a bridge program for homeschoolers. <laughs> My question to you is, seeing all of the assaults that are happening on homeschooling, especially in France, is do you expect to see something similar happening in our country? And if so, what can we do to protect our, our homeschooling families from such an assault? That is a smart and wise question. It is. And I've been saying this out loud for a while, and I have now received this question twice in the last couple of days. 
France is outlawing homeschooling. And California and New York will follow very soon. So instead of waiting for it to come here, Idaho should do the opposite and say that it, will, it is legal and will always be legal. It might already be the case that that's in state law, but whatever you could do to further enshrine it, do that. And so let's talk about the beauty of homeschooling. I am a massive homeschooling fan, by the way. So let me tell you, let me tell you the, the importance of homeschooling from a biblical perspective. Let me tell you a way that everyone here can be a homeschooling parent, even those of you that think you can't. And then let me tell you something that I think we need to do a lot better with homeschooling where we fail dramatically and terrible. Okay, number one, the importance of homeschooling. The only one of the Ten Commandments that comes with a promise is honor your mother and father so you might live long in the land of which you are in. Every totalitarian government tries to separate and destroy the bond between a parent and a child. They are doing that right now. Washington Post headline, everybody. I encourage you to look it up tonight. Parents think they have a say in their child's curriculum. They are wrong. Front page of the Washington Post. And you know who shared that article? Randy Weidgarten, the head of the American Federation of Teachers. She's the head of the biggest teacher union in the country alongside the National Education Association. They are now saying out loud, if you're a parent right now in the audience, you're a grandparent, you have zero stay, say, drop your kids off at school, stop asking questions, who do you think you are? Now, it's not just because they think they're better than you. They know that America becomes a socialist Marxist country when parental child relations weaken. You guys have heard the phrase before, Mother Russia. It was a phrase in the Soviet Union that people used to say about the Soviet government with Joseph Stalin. Now, where did that phrase come from? The phrase was an intentional campaign, a propaganda campaign, to tell young children their true parents was the Russian communist government, not their biological parents. In Mao Zedong's China, where 60 million people were intentionally murdered, kind of glossed over in history, they used to pay children to turn in their parents if they were anything but loyal to the Chinese Communist Party government during the communist revolution, the cultural revolution, I should say, 10 years. I think it ran from 1967 to 1977. This is a pattern that we see in every single totalitarian type government. So let me just say, homeschooling, super important from a biblical perspective. If you want to have your children love the Lord and love the country and love liberty, please homeschool them. Okay, but the second thing, some parents are saying, Charlie, it's harder than you think. You don't understand what it's like. I'm running a business. You know, I, I'm not going to homeschool anytime soon. That's okay. You're right. It is hard. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying everyone is going to be able to do it. But here's what you can do. And it segues to the previous conversation. Are you spending an hour a week with every screen in your home turned off teaching your children something? Not just casually. No, no, no. You're the teacher and you're teaching them one hour a week. If you are not doing that, you've already given your children over to the state. One hour a week, turn off all the screens and teach them something. Now, parents say, well, Charlie, what do I teach them? Well, that's why we did what we did with Hillsdale, so you guys can become the teachers, seriously. One hour a week. Now, you want to scale that. That's 52 hours a year. You do that every Sunday, call it the Liberty Hour. All of a sudden, they will go back to school the next day. They'll be correcting their teachers because the people they appreciate most, the parents, will be filling them up with truth and it will last all the way to the next Sunday. So I get it, not everyone can homeschool. Then become a fractional homeschool parent. Just one hour a week. If you can't do one hour a week, we got a lot deeper problems, everybody, right? One hour a week where you become full, like, dictator of the house. Screens are off, sit at the table, I'm in charge, we're learning about Thomas Jefferson. It will have a profound and eternal impact on your child. Last thing. 
let me tell you one thing we got to get better with homeschooling, um, where I just, I don't understand it. Some churches do this really well, but churches would be way better served for the future of the nation and the kingdom. Instead of building bigger auditoriums, they should be giving cash to moms who need it, who want to homeschool their kids. That's right, cash. They need to make it financially easier to homeschool kids. This is where the church needs to reprioritize some of their initiatives. I'm not saying this church, I'm not saying even a church in this area, but I've been to churches in California. You, You and I know them, Rick. They have like escalators and, you know, they have like these massive, huge superstructures. You know the type of churches I'm talking about. I'm like, huh, that money would have been a lot better spent on the 1,000 moms that had to make a decision between LA Unified School District or homeschooling. Those 1,000 kids would have been have a higher likelihood to love the Lord, be on fire for liberty. Every number, by the way, shows that if you want your kids to share their, your values, homeschool the kids. Homeschool them. It's like a 98.7% correlation. It's insane. It's super high. And so that's where I think the church needs to step up. I think the church needs to say, okay, we are going to give a tithe and an offering. When's the last time your church did a tithe or offering saying everything will be going to homeschool parents that need it? Has your church ever done that? Why? It's the one thing we know that works, that fixes all the other problems. By the way, less drug addiction, less kids going to prison, less marital problems. Every problem autocorrects if you homeschool your kids. So I think that's one thing we have to get better. And I'm just giving that as kind of a loving, loving solution. I just want to encourage you though. Every parent out there that's homeschooling, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. We have your back. I know it's hard. You will see the fruit of your work. And Idaho needs to continue to be a place where homeschooling parents can remain untouched by the state and especially the federal government. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, Charlie was talking about Hillsdale, and they have, it's such a priority for them to have their homeschooling curriculum from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. If you're looking for it, they've designed it. You can get it. It's free. Tap into it. It's amazing. And it's charlie4hillsdale.com. I've got to know them really well. We have gone into the weeds at Hillsdale College, and I sit on, my wife and I sit on the courses. There is not a better community of intellectuals in America that are together to try to affirm the gospel of Jesus Christ, the authenticity of the Bible, and America first principles. I'm not saying that there aren't other good colleges, but boy, do they have heavyweights at Hillsdale that do the best job that I have found. It's it's second to none. Next question. Thank you, Mr. Kirk, for coming to Idaho and bringing some clarity and some wisdom. I've been struggling with a question that I can't seem to get an answer. what is the difference, difference excuse me, between liberty and freedom? That's a great question. So thank you for, for, for answering that. I will give you my own personal definition. Not everyone here will hold it. I'm going to tell you what the founding fathers believed, though, and I think that's the most important thing. And so we'll actually go back to the actual Greek and Latin. So freedom comes from a Greek word, either isonomia or eleutheria. I get them confused. But There is this idea that in the ancients, true freedom is not being able to do whatever you want to do. And a new word was developed called liberty, which was the pursuit of virtue. Now, I'm not saying that if I'm all in, we literally have programs called freedom this and freedom that. So we conflate them. But let me tell you kind of how the founding fathers intended it, if that's okay. Where liberty was the ultimate pursuit. You know, you could have the freedom to kind of build a home, freedom to travel, but liberty was pursuing the things a human being ought to do. 
And so this is a really important thing where liberty is understanding that there's a natural law. Liberty is understanding that there's a transcendent order. Liberty is understanding that there are things that human beings should try to strive for. And the inverse of liberty is licentiousness. So in all of the debates of the framers and the founding fathers, there was this struggle between liberty and licentiousness. Now, if you notice that in my favorite document, uh, secular document outside, obviously the Bible's not a secular document, but my favorite document that I study and I pour over with Dr. Larry Arn from Hillsdale is the Declaration of Independence. This document, it, it is, and I, I like it even more, the Constitution, not that I don't like the Constitution, but I like the Declaration because it was first. Now, I want you to think about this. What is, commun- what is China's birthday? No one can really tell. What is France's birthday? America has a birthday. It's a big deal. That means that there was a day when we decided to start. And that was the day that we ratified and signed that document. That document starts when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands that have connected them with another, deriving the powers, the equal but separate station of which the powers of the earth, and it goes on to say the laws of nature and nature's God. That statement right there, what does that mean? What Thomas Jefferson is doing is he's building a bridge between the fruits of the enlightenment and the eternal truths of antiquity. This is an unprecedented project that our our people in political life have no idea even the brilliance of this. So Thomas Jefferson says, whoa, we're we're developing all this stuff like freedom of speech, like freedom of assembly, but if we just do that and we don't have the anchor of the laws of nature and actually the wise restraints that keep us free, this whole place is gonna collapse into chaos immediately. And that's why he intentionally derived from John Locke this idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The founding fathers believed liberty as a human being's ascent to the divine and the eternal and a well-souled man. Liberty is not being able to do drugs whenever you want to do it. Liberty is not getting drunk at the bar. That's licentiousness. That's a false freedom. That's a false liberty. Instead, liberty is you climbing up the ladder to try to finally get how God wants you to live here on earth. That's a tough project. That takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of study. Now, as liberty and freedom, they can be synonyms. But as it could be said very, like kind of lightly, liberty is the higher pursuit. Freedom would just kind of be doing the ability to do inconsequential things. Liberty is getting your teleological aim correct, which means the purposeful aims, right? So why is it that so many young people are depressed and they're directionless? It's because they don't have purpose. It's because they've been told that liberty is to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Liberty is getting drunk. Liberty is going out with your friends when they should have been told liberty is pursuing something that is eternal and divine and good and true and beautiful. And it's going to take some work. It's going to take some development of the soul. We have gotten away from that in our country in such a fundamental way. And some people, I think, misunderstand kind of what liberty is and where it comes from. And that's the final thing I'll say this. Everything I just said is not a man-made idea. It said, there's this beautiful phrase at the Harvard Law School. They're going to remove it soon because it's way too wise for Harvard, where it says, the law is the wise restraints that keep men free. I want you to think about that. It's so paradoxical, isn't it? That the restraints actually keep you free. Anyone here that has dealt with an alcoholic knows this is true. That when they stopped drinking, they got more free. 
That when they put restraints on their own life, they became a freer person. That when they were doing whatever they wanted to do, they were not free. We as Christians need to reclaim the definition and the mantle of liberty. I believe our country will be blessed by that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, Charlie, you have time for maybe one more? I'm enjoying this too much, Rick, so I could do this all day. Yes, next question. Hi, Charlie. Uh, my question is, you know, we, we kicked off the Q&A with a comment about election integrity. Yeah. Something that ties right into that is big tech. I don't know if you saw the headline today, George Soros and uh, Reid Hoffman are coming together to, you know, fund startups that are going to be fighting disinformation. What, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on how we're going to combat that going so, forward? Because it's pretty critical. Let, let, me me let me tell you what Idaho should do. Um, the next session, Idaho should pass a law heavily fining Facebook and Google for mining the data of Idaho citizens and making out like bandits while addicting your children to screens that are devoid of purpose and meaning. Idaho should say to the tech companies, if you want to operate in Idaho, you're going to have to pay a price. Now, some people say, well, Charlie, that's not free market. This is the problem with this, this idea. A free market should serve people. People should not serve the market. The market should be designed so that we have an outcome we can recognize. When I see, when I go out to a local restaurant, this happened in Boise, my wife and I will tell you, and I see a family of seven and everyone's staring at their screen, we got a big problem. That was not the case 12 years ago. And the companies that are doing that are making out like trillionaire bandits on the minds and the addiction of your children. So yeah, we have to do something about that. And um, we should break up these companies. We should find them. We should penalize them. They're bad for America. They're bad for humanity. They're bad for the soul. I could continue, but yeah, look, Florida did this. Florida passed a law fining big tech companies. Got struck down by a judge. DeSantis, God bless him, is like ignoring the judge and he's still doing it and he's getting all sorts of, you know... What leadership looks like, you know, he's just fighting hard. And he might get in some trouble for that. He doesn't care because he's a leader. Um, Idaho should do that. Idaho should send a message to big tech companies. All right, you're going to stream YouTube videos. If, unless you have these 10 requirements, which is privacy protection for children, you know, transparency of where the ad dollars are being spent, no more micro-targeted ads, you're going to have to pay $10,000 per violation per day. They'll change really quick. The states have the power to go after companies. Now, some of you say, Charlie, this is unprecedented. No, it's not. They do this to our companies all the time. Look what they did to the Trump organization, right? They drugged that man's family through the criminal gutter for six years because they didn't like his politics, indicting the people that worked in his office because they didn't file the taxes correctly. Well, excuse me, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and these companies are nothing more than massive internet-based Democrat super PACs that are trying to destroy your life, the Christian worldview, and the American worldview. It's time for us to start to use the power that we have to either say that Google's not going to operate here, or you're going to have to pay a big price and actually you know, kind of come to our demands if, if that's the case. The states are the solution to the big tech problem. I wish the federal government would do something. They're not, obviously. That's a waste of time. So now it's time for the states to take it, take, take it into their hands. Someone please introduce that bill the next session. And all of a sudden, here's what will happen. You want to know what will happen? That bill will get not taken seriously. I kid you not. Just look at flightaware.com. You will see a Gulfstream land at Boise International Airport. I'm not kidding. Of a lobbyist from Google that will land here and start writing checks and intimidating people in the last couple of days of that bill getting out committee because they know the true threat 
will be the states rising up against these companies. And so that will be a very interesting thing to say, to see. So someone please take up, take that up. So God bless you. Thank you. All right. This will be the last question. We're going really late. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm not picking favorites. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, some people really want to ask the question. So I'll let you guys fight over it. I might be able to take one more. We'll see. I'll let you arm wrestle. Very grateful for you being here. So I'm a healthcare professional and I am unemployed because I am not jabbed, as are many of my fellow nurses here. Where did, where did you work? St. Luke's. St. Luke's? Yes. So I, I was in family medicine, and, and my friend who's here with me, um, she's a very gifted, I would say she's one of the most gifted in ICU nurses that I've ever had the privilege of knowing. Um, and so I, I chose to leave when they introduced the checkmark system, when um, some who were vaccinated had checkmarks, some of us who were not did not. Um, I chose not to disclose my private medical records to my patients. Um, my friend was can, can we have a Can we have a question? Yeah. We're already over so, time. I'm so, sorry. So my we're, question is... We are fighting for legislation, and it's not happening soon enough. What can we do? Um, yeah. What more can we do? Well, I mean, look, your governor could solve it with one stroke of the pen. It's that simple. He, he yeah. could issue an executive order right now. Greg Abbott has done it. And so you guys have got to pressure the governor. You have to. He could, One executive order, he could say, state, state employers, public employers, private employers, you are not allowed to mandate vaccines. DeSantis did this. Abbott did this. Um, I don't know why that's not the case here. And uh, Yeah, like we want to fight and we, we need more ideas. All right, yeah, so let, let me give you a bunch of them really quick. Um, it would be helpful if you guys had senators that cared about this. I don't know if you do or not. Um, these hospitals should, should no longer receive federal funding, um, but they will, of course, because it's all kind of part of the uniparty cartel in Washington, D.C., um, there, I'm sure there's a lot of donors here in Boise that give money to St. Luke's. Go find them and ask them if they're on the side of this and create a public pressure campaign on this issue. Um, in addition, contact every single one of their board members. These are quasi non-profit, for-profit type organizations. But yeah, the biggest thing is this. The biggest thing is that we need, at a fundamental level, we need leadership that will intervene. And honestly, I'm just, I'm going to say this as bluntly. Like, Idaho, just don't put up with this. Figure it out. Like, this is not hard, okay? You guys are 60 to 70% conservative state, and it's ridiculous and it's disgusting that states like Florida can get this right, and you guys can't. I don't live here. You guys have the collective wisdom in this room to figure it out. If you have to get angrier, then do it. But you as a wonderful person, a healthcare worker who was called a hero for the first 18 months of this pandemic is now having to be unemployed. Like, this should not happen in America, let alone in the beautiful state of Idaho. So... Please figure it out. All right. We can go right there. You're the last question. I'm sorry. I had, a, I, I had a veteran's question. I don't know if you want to ask. You were very pushy. We're already over time, so it better be a really good question. Yeah, I'm a Vietnam veteran I'm suffering from uh, the effects of Agent Orange, and I rely on the Boise Veterans Hospital. And um, I just wanted to ask you, I heard something. Oh. I believe that uh, the VA hospitals across the country, uh, veterans have earned the right to be treated. 
And I, and I thought I heard about a month or so ago that you were describing the VA uh, system as a socialist uh, medical facility. Yeah, the VA is a disaster. I want you to clarify that. Yeah, the VA is a disaster. We should abolish the VA and give every veteran a Medicare for All card to go to any hospital they're choosing and get the best health care in America. So yeah. I, I did have a knee operation at St. Al's, and uh, they do allow us to go to other hospitals to um, get treated. And um, just, uh, just my ending statement is um, I think the Boise VA does one heck of a good job for the veterans. Well, that's definitely an exception because if you remember under the Obama regime, people were on waiting lists for PTSD, suicide hotlines. We lost hundreds of veterans for untreated there. But I appreciate the comment and thank you for your service. God bless you for that. We appreciate that. Okay. We got to plug our idea. Yeah. Charlie, I just listened to two wonderful podcasts that you did this week. They were really great. How can you plug people into tuning into your wealth of knowledge, your research, your learning all the time, you're seeing the country? Help these people get plugged in. Too. So let me do a shameless plug, everybody. Some, a way you guys can help us. Is that okay? That you can bless us. We're traveling 300 days a year. This is going to sound silly, but it really does help us, and it keeps us in touch with one another. We're under constant big tech cancellation, as we mentioned. I wake up early. We work really hard. We do two podcasts a day and three hours of radio a day. Every single person in this room has a smartphone. And all of you, if you would, take out your phone and you subscribe to the Charlie Kirk Show podcast it's every, every phone has a podcast app, right? It's purple, or you have a podcast app you're choosing. I say, Charlie, this is silly. This is the way it keeps us alive. When rooms like this step up and just subscribe free of charge, it makes us impossible to cancel almost in, really hard. So if you just take out the phone, Charlie Kirk Show on the podcast app, if you don't know how to do that, um, I saw some 14-year-olds that would be happy to show you how to subscribe to the Charlie Kirk Show podcast. We also have a booth outside that can walk you guys through that. It does bless us. Please give us a chance to become the daily news source for you guys. Um, just give us a chance to go. We are working. We have the best experts in the country. We interview from Daniel Horowitz to we have the president, President Trump, come on, not the current president, and many others. It does bless us tremendously. And if every person in the room did this right now, we would beat Rachel Maddow in the podcast charts tomorrow morning. So let's do it, everybody. It would be a great blessing. Hey, they've asked us to pray. We're going to pray for the, this is not the end of the program. Uh, uh, Brandon Sorvo is back here and going to share. But we want to briefly pray for the Holy Spirit to do a work in Idaho. And then uh, Charlie's got a, a, a departing exhortation. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this room full of people that love you, Jesus and love our nation. And we just ask that you would fill all of us with the Holy Spirit and show each one of us how we can be salt and light in this beautiful state. Lord, we ask for you to intervene and help us by your grace and by your power and your strength to give us courage. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to leave you with one final thought. You need to say this to yourself every single day. We are going to win. We are going to win, everybody. There is more of us than them. We have the truth, and we are getting the courage and the conviction to fight. We band together, and we unite. We are going to win. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tonight. The light in the darkness. I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. 